Hello, Bob. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts. This one is dedicated to Uncharted territory because we're going to be talking about what's the name of the film? Uncharted. That's right, Uncharted, the video game adaptation directed by Ruben Fleischer and starring Tom Holland and a canonically perfect Mark Wahlberg <laughs> as Sully. Although he he didn't have the big blue fur. No, I wanted didn't have the, the purple br- spots no, in the blue fur. Didn't have that. And at no point did they collect children's screams. No. Or laughter. Uh, or laughter. Yeah, really, <laughs> really took me out. Or did he land a plane in the Hudson? Didn't do any of that stuff. Also, frankly, Matrix promised he would kill him last and that's not what happened. <laughs> and frankly, I just, that's wrong. We'll be ranking Sully's, cinematic Sully's. <laughs> it's obviously number one, Sully. Number two, Sully. Sully. Number three, Sully. No, no, no. Really number three gap. is Sully. That's, oh, no. No, on. Then there's a really yeah. big gap. Before there's numbers, a, it's number a big gap. There's a yeah. long way down before. Between Sully and Sully is a big oh, gap. Yeah. Huge a big gap. <laughs> uh, and then anyway. the unsullied, of course. Hey. He was unsullied, yeah. <laughs> unsullied and uncharted. Anyway, we're talking about Uncharted, which is the video game adaptation. And here, uh, to find the buried treasure, to find the thing that leads to the thing that uncorrects the whatchamacallit. Is this a sex thing? It is a sex thing. Uh, Are my three treasure seekers of such (laughs) lethal cunning. Amon Warman. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless him. Bless him. He's deflated like a balloon. The heartbreak. (laughs) Amon Warman, who is a big fan of the games and perhaps not as big a fan of the film. Uh, We have James Dyer. Hello. Hello, who is... What are you? What are you? I've asked you that so many times. I mean, You're what, a player what are of you? games? So many answers. I am the player of games. Yeah, That's right, Helen. Yes, I have played all Sex of the games. games. I have finished... It's an A&M Banks record. Two oh. of the... Well, three, actually three if you count the Lost Legacy. Three of the five games. Okay, Gosh. all right. And where do you stand in the film? It's a film I watched. Okay, good. All right, so so we have Amon on one side of the chart. We have James somewhere in the middle oh, Okay, I, I don't hate it. It's fine. Okay, and then we have uh, Helen O'Hara yeah, is obviously here. Yeah, a huge gamer. Yeah, huge gamer. loves it, loves it. Yeah, I, I cannot game Big enough, me. Yeah. Helen <laughs> MMORPG O'Hara, that's what we that's call her. That's what they call me, yeah. That's what the O stands for. Helen's like, yeah. always hammering L2 yeah. and... Bashing on the yeah. triangle. Love, yeah. I beg your pardon. Loves a little bit of a tank and spank, does Helen. Oh my Do word. I? Gosh. <laughs> wow. wow, I'm learning a lot this about is, myself. This is um, uh, this has gone into uncharted territory very, very quickly. And but, then, so yes, you're not playing the game. I've never played, never played the, the game. Games. I am aware that they exist. I'm aware it's phenomenal. I've been writing about this film's developments. I feel like since I joined Empire in, yeah. 20, in 2003, yeah. like I feel like it, it almost goes back to the first days we were writing about this. There was a point where Nathan Fillion genuinely, genuinely was, if not a front runner, at least a, a fan favorite in contention. Because he did the short where he, he was an short, yeah. excellent knight. But that came years after he'd first been talked about for this role. Mm. Um, so, so I feel like I've been writing about this for ages. I feel a stake in it for that reason, but I actually have no stake whatsoever. Okay. All right. Like a vegan, Helen has no stake whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. You can have a cauliflower steak. Thank goodness for that. Yes. I'm not there sure. We go. I think we've lost the run of this. No, we're in uncharted territory, <laughs> Helen. Uh, so Helen doesn't play the games. Where do you stand in the film? I thought it was fine. I'm Good. already struggling to remember it and it's been... What, Excellent. Oh, this is exactly weeks. what we want for a spoiler yeah. special podcast. Uh, I have played the game once when I had a PlayStation and Nick lent me the game and Nick is evangelical about this game. Which one though, Chris? Uh, two? Which one? One? Okay. okay. Two? Where he goes to Shambhala. And I played 10 minutes of it and I died probably and turned it off, uh, which is usually my 
journey with most games yeah. it has to be said yeah. except FIFA one of the things I love about FIFA is that you can't die if there were a way you'd find it <laughs> believe me believe me bang get, my head off the post get brutally shot by a midfielder oh my god <laughs> now that's a FIFA I could get behind there is it really is FIFA Call of Duty um, anyway so I have never played the games but I I actually really like the film and I will explain and talk about I'll explain I'll explain myself <laughs> after we hear from the director of the film Ruben Fleischer uh, who I talked to on Zoom a few weeks ago just before the movie opened and um, we got into it spoilers abound folks so here we go me talking to Ruben Fleischer do please enjoy we're delighted to be joined this Uncharted spoiler special by the film's director Ruben Fleischer how the devil are you sir? I'm so happy to be talking to you, sir. <laughs> Finally, it's here. <laughs> it's out. Uh, yeah, um, we'll see uh, just what audiences think of it. But yeah, it's a movie that I got hired to direct in January of 2020. And we started off uh, on the good ship Uncharted. And uh, <laughs> then all things were put to a halt uh, due to this global pandemic known as COVID, which you may or may not have heard of. Um, but we no, had to tell me more. Is it- <laughs> yeah, they didn't have that in England. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we shuttered the doors on all the stages. Um, we went away for four months and then returned. We were shooting the movie in Berlin and Barcelona. And so we returned to Berlin uh, after the after some time had passed and we felt it was safe to get back to work and and figured out how to make a movie during a pandemic. <laughs> did it help you to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's? Did, did you take the time that the, the, the pandemic afforded to look at things? Because like, it's a very intricate story. It's a very intricate plot to make sure that everything was matching up. Yeah, no, that, that, that's absolutely what we did. We took advantage of the time that we had. In a ways, um, it, you know, I think it made the movie better because we had that much more time to kind of consider things. Um, we were a day away from shooting. Our, our first day of shooting was March 16th, and we had to shut down on that very same day. So um, we went back. I went back to L.A. and I just spent so much time working on the script, working on the action sequences, working on the previses, storyboarding, anything I could do remotely to you know help improve the film, which uh, I think a lot of it ultimately did find its way into the movie and, and hopefully made it better. Was one of the benefits of shutting down for a while? Did it give Mark Wahlberg time to grow a mustache for the post-credits day? <laughs> um, uh, since this is the spoiler special, I think I can tell you that the mustache scene was a reshoot uh, or additional photography. We we had shot a version on set um, with him in Barcelona that was a fake mustache, actually. Um, and the scene just didn't have anything to do with the mustache. It just wasn't as compelling a scene as you want the movie to be the the last note that's played of the film. And so we we reconceived it and reshot it. And it was the time between principal photography and this additional photography that Mark was able to grow his stash. And that was our first, first day of shooting. And then he shaved it so that we could pick up a couple little other moments for other scenes. Oh, okay, so that's basically the reverse cavil in a way. On <laughs> so you don't have the CG round his mustache. No, we talked about that though. <laughs> and uh, if any, no, we didn't do any CG. That was all all Wahlberg. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, the stash is always uh, something that you have to take into consideration. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing. It, it's it must be a fine line for. You know, and you've played in, in in arenas like this before with Venom. It must be interesting and difficult for a filmmaker to tread that line between 
fan service doing something that will make the fans happy and also storytelling so and and seriously something like Sully's mustache must have been a huge talking point for you guys about when to introduce it how to introduce it what it looks like all that sort of stuff yeah um i feel like we're spending a lot of time in the spoilers it should be called the stash special if anything but yeah um, i don't know how we got on the stash but here we are yeah yeah but but we uh yeah everything's heavily considered in the process but but to your point about adapting material, I mean, I think that's worth talking about because you do have to walk the line between delivering a film that fans can get behind, um, but at the same time make a movie that can stand on its own two feet for audiences who have never even heard of the video game. Uh, and so like Venom, when you have a beloved property, um, the fans feel ownership over it and they don't want to see it, you know, treated badly. And I think with video games, unfortunately, there's, there's not the best track record. So there's a natural um, paranoia, I would say among fans of like, Oh, they're going to ruin it. Um, But hopefully once people find their way to the theaters, they'll see that we made the film with the same love and respect for the original video game franchise that all the fans have. Well, uh, now is the time, Ruben, I think, for a confession uh, on my part, which is that uh, I have never played Uncharted. Uh, I don't have a PlayStation. I don't have a PS4. I don't have a PS5. So I've never played Uncharted. But I had a blast with your movie and it made me want to play the game. So is that, you, is that what you're looking for? Is that the result that you want people to come out of this? And, and- I'm looking for anything I can do to sell PlayStations and sell video games. I think you, you're the, actually exactly that's the takeaway that they want uh, in their global Sony uh, approach to to the whole uh, IP thing. But no, I, I the the point for me is that the movie needs to work as a movie, whether or not you've heard of Uncharted. You can't rely just on the fact that it's a beloved game to expect people to, you know, go and see it or, or even be entertained. Um, and so I, I approach it as someone who had, was familiar with the game, but wasn't a diehard fan. I only played it when it first came out and then kind of um, went in different direction. But uh, but I love the treasure hunting genre. I love Indiana Jones. That's probably my favorite movie of all time and definitely a movie that playing the seed in my brain that one day maybe I could go get to make movies or something like that. And so as soon as I was approached with this, I was just thrilled because this treasure hunting genre, this, this, you know, there's not that many of these types of movies and they certainly haven't made one in a while. Mm. So it's a, a genre that I love that I was incredibly excited about. I was a history major in college. I've always had a connection and affinity for antiquities and so for me this was beyond a dream come true and i was just excited to make a great movie and also at the same time um pay homage to to the game that was the reason for it being speaking of indiana jones it's it's explicitly name checked at one point in the film can you talk about that well i just felt like it was like the elephant in the room and so better to acknowledge it than to just say oh we're you know but yeah, never heard of that guy. Um, obviously, if you're going to go be a treasure hunter and you're exploring catacombs with torches, um, you're probably a fan of Indiana Jones. So I, I, you know, we we had the direct name call out, and then there's another moment where he says nuns. Why has it got to be nuns? Which was a allusion to uh, snakes. Yes, uh, from, from Indiana Jones. 
and you've got the uh, you've got the uh, your version as well of the the map, the red line on the map. Yeah, we we uh, wanted to like update that concept, but also again pay tribute. Hopefully, it doesn't feel too derivative and more of a homage than than just taking their ideas. There's there's elements. I mean, you know, weirdly enough, time for another confession. Last Crusade may be my favorite indie movie, and there seems to be almost more of Last Crusade in Uncharted than any other any other Indiana Jones movie. Am I? Am I looking in the wrong place? Am I digging in the no, wrong place? I, mean, I, I, I honestly haven't thought about it in those terms. It was more of a collective Indiana Jones inspiration, but um, trying to think of why that felt more, is it because maybe that one's more comedic and that there's more of a buddy dynamic with Indy and his dad? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the first movie, it's more of a solo adventure. That might be it. And yeah. it's more it's more catacombsy. I think. I always think of Last Crusade and, and Temple of Doom being more catacombsy. Yeah, I mean... Listen, they're they're all great movies, um, and and we took inspiration from those, like classic Bond films, Mission Impossible, National Treasure, you know, tons of tons of Pirates of the Caribbean, um, tons of great films that came before us. So so that's that's talk uh, in terms of structuring the movie and, and setting things up. You start in in media res. And you start with, um, even though I haven't played the game, I know that the opening sequence is, is based on one of the, the famous set pieces from the game, from the games, rather. Um, was it always the case? Did you always start in this way with Nate and then flashing back? Yeah, it was a really, um, uh, I thought, just like putting the audience right in the middle of the action. I, I love that device. Um, I didn't know what it was called until recently but yeah it's got a cool name um I, I, and just that image of the ring floating in the clouds and it, you just slowly reveal like oh it's a ring it's in the sky it's on a neck of a guy hanging on the back of a plane and how did he get there and how's he going to get out of this it's a really exciting introduction i'll be honest with you what what follows that is a flashback and i was always a little bumped by starting the movie with a flash forward and then going to a flashback and then finding the present day of the film. And so that's while to answer your question, we always intended the, the, the flash forward at the beginning, but we did play with the, where the flashback lived, whether it was there or someplace else. But in the end, I think just front loading the viewer with uh, all they need to know about Nate and his brother and the Magellan and the treasure uh, ended up being the best way to go about it. See, I, that's really interesting that you said that because it, it felt to me that the the movie is building emotionally to Sully grabbing Nate's hand at the end, which is obviously an echo of of Sam grabbing young Nate's hand at the beginning. I'm glad you got that. We, you can't imagine the amount of conversations we had to that effect. <laughs> so was that something that you you had to work very hard to kind of see throughout the film? No, uh, no, I don't think we had to work hard to see it. I think it was there in plain sight. We just wanted to make sure that the audience got the echo and that this brother who, you know, he once had has now kind of been replaced by this new brother. Sully has stepped into that role and uh, it's solidified with that hand grab. And from that point forward, one hopes that, you know, they'll be side by side out there hunting treasure uh, for time immemorial. How much work did you guys do on that relationship to nail that relationship between Nate and Sully, and and to to track things like Sully's um, 
greed throughout the movie because obviously he gives up a lot of gold. He he decides ultimately that gold isn't what he what he wants to do. His relate the relationship with Nate is the most important thing for him at the end. How difficult was it to to layer that sort of stuff into the movie? Uh, that was all in the script. I mean, in in the fact that you're basically saying exactly all the things that we talked about as far as tone and uh, sorry thematics and tracking the greed and and ultimately the sacrifice that he makes. He chooses friendship. He's always been a selfish person and he chooses friendship over the material goods. Um, that That's what we wanted people to take away. And that was his arc. That was a completion of his arc. Nate's pretty unchanged. Like the only thing he learns along the way is not to be so gullible and, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Um, but for the real, the real change that takes place is Sully goes from being somebody who's untrustworthy and selfish and greedy. And then ultimately he becomes more selfless in, in saving young Nate over the gold. Um, so everything you're saying is exactly what was intended. I'm just glad that it landed so clearly for you. In terms of the morality of the movie, I thought that was really interesting also in that, you know, there's a sense that, you know, they have a little bit of gold at the end, but Nate and Sully don't get rich off this. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not billionaires at the end of this movie. Uh, was that a deliberate choice in terms of, I, I guess, the morality of, of being seen to profit from, from endeavors like this? Yeah, it was definitely all, like there was never a version that I read where they fly off with the treasure. It was always until they lose it. And that actually is an aspect of the game that uh, despite their best efforts, they don't always end up with the treasure. So I think it, it you know, we can't take all the credit for it because that's kind of a, a, a component of the, the the source material. But yeah, I think in terms of uh, values, like what the, what they gained was their friendship and you know, learning to, to invest, you know, Nate gains a brother and Sully becomes a more fulfilled person. Um, and that is worth more than its weight in gold. <laughs> and there's also, there's also uh, interest in morality as well in terms of gunplay and killing people. Like Indiana Jones is killing people left, right and center. Usually they're Nazis, so that's okay. <laughs> We're okay with that. But in this movie, it's noticeable that Nate doesn't, doesn't really do that at all. He, you know, if he does kill someone, it's accidental and he's apologetic. He doesn't shoot anyone. Um, it was that a, a conscious decision on, on your part. Yeah, it was a combination of things. And, and I should mention that it, it diverges from the game in that respect because the body count in the video game is insane. I mean, he shoots everybody he comes across, um, but that's a video game and not a movie. And so I think um, in part because Nate's a younger, you know, more naive person who is just entering into this world. Um, he's not a cold-blooded killer at this point. Uh, that was one aspect of it. I think also tonally, we wanted the movie to live in a more family-friendly kind of level, um, you know, where it didn't have to rely on gratuitous violence just to, you know, satisfy a bloodthirst of the audience. Um, and and I think, yeah, I guess to a lesser degree, my personal taste is not to, you know, just completely ignore the value of human life um, <laughs> in films, which in the past, you know, making zombie movies, it's easy. The, like Zombies are even a better villain than Nazis because they're really expendable. Um, but with Gangster Squad, we did have some pretty crazy shootouts where 
there wasn't much respect for life. And the amount of rounds that we went through shooting those Tommy gun battles, I mean, you can't count the amount of bullets that we went through. But um, but yeah, I, I think maybe as far as just being a little bit more conscientious and responsible about what we're putting into the world, that's my own personal taste. Um, it's maybe just being a little bit more responsible in that regard. No, it's good. It's good. If you can have your hero not be a bloodthirsty killer, I think that's a, that's a, good, way, a good way to go. Uh, but there is, oh, you're going to love the segue, Ruben. There is one bloodthirsty killer, and that's Braddock. And uh, I loved that that twist with Antonio Banderas being dispatched mid-speech. Where did, that, where did that come from? And the elevation of Braddock to full-blown bad guy status within the movie. Let me just ask, did you expect it? No, not at all. <laughs> that's terrific. That makes me... Um... So happy. I, I, I went to an audience screening once when we were testing the movie and somebody actually said, oh, no, she didn't um, after that. And I was just so happy. I was like, we we pulled it off like we didn't show our hand. Um, but uh, I would say, yeah, Braddock, um, that was just how it was scripted. I loved it. I love it when, you know, you can pull the rug out from other audiences. But what 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 was challenging was the casting of that role. Um I really wanted Antonio Banderas to play that part. Uh, I, I lobbied Sony heavily to make it so. I lobbied Antonio really hard to make it so, but we actually cast Braddock before we cast Antonio. And I was very aware of the fact that I didn't want to cast somebody very recognizable for fear that if Antonio didn't end up doing it and we had a less you know, obvious star in that role that let's say, I, well, I don't want to name names, but let's say that there was a, you know, a really familiar female in, in that role. Mm-hmm. And then a lesser kind of, you know, in terms of like movie weight uh, character playing uh, Mankata that you would see it coming a mile away because it's like, why is that girl the underling to this lesser you know, boss. Yes. And so I loved Toddy's audition and she blew me away. I'd never seen her before. And I just thought she was captivating and had a quality that was just completely unique. Um, but I also liked that she was relatively unknown um, because then it gave me more flexibility if Antonio didn't end up being playing that role. Yeah, I think also the fact the way it happens is a big thing. And you must have had to tread an interesting line in terms of bloodshed. Yeah, well, that that was largely due to the... Um, PG-13 nature of the film, as well as like, like I mentioned it, wanting to appeal to all audiences. Like, you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter and um, she, the one scene that whenever we watch the movie, she walks out of the room for is that one. Um, and, and I just want to make sure that we didn't overdo it. So the amount of blood, but actually we even used to feature her cutting his throat on camera and now we hide it in a cut so that it's not, you don't actually see it slitter his throat. And that was a very late development, but really born out of our desire to want, want this to appeal to families and, you know, everybody to come see the film. Because other than that, it really, you know, it doesn't have anything that's too scary or too violent or too obscene or too profane for, you know, fans of all ages to come watch. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well. Well, uh, the Nate and Chloe relationship was that something uh, as well that you looked at in uh, in the in the in the post production process? Was the sexual unresolved sexual tension resolved between them at, at one point? You are so astute. Uh, I got to be honest, Chris. Like you, uh, you pick up on everything. 
Um, yeah, there was a there was certainly a version where the tension was broken uh, between them, uh, but it kind of just felt gratuitous in watching the movie. Um, I think it's better unrealized than to see them in bed together. Gives you somewhere to go as well. Yeah, it gives you somewhere to go, and also it gives you a, um, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. Um, it just felt like a tonal shift in, in in a way, you know, ultimately. And I know, you know, Andy always had girls that, you know, he'd end up with and James Bond. But um, for some reason, there was enough else going on in this movie that it felt a little bit gratuitous. And and speaking of giving you room to go and, you know, somewhere else to go in, in future installments, where are you deliberately looking towards the future? There's a couple of post-credit sequences. Uh, we won't talk about Sully's moustache anymore, but, but you yeah, know, we get to see Sam in prison writing postcards. And of course, there's the, the, the end sequence with Gage and the final shot of Sully and Nate looking at something or someone aghast so you know how much how much of this is you setting things up for the future or just or just having fun with this concept yeah uh, the two things that were important to me if we were if we are lucky enough ever to get to make a sequel that one the sam story in the video game sam comes back as a character and he it's in the fourth one and he's like this kind of even more of a louse than sully uh, kind of untrustworthy and selfish and whatnot. Um, and, and so I wanted, because fans of the game will know that he's not dead. I didn't want to like have the audience leave this movie and have him be presumed dead. And then like in two or three, be like, Oh yeah, that guy that we said was dead. Like he's actually alive. It just felt like it would feel contrived. And so by including it here, even though Nate doesn't get to find out, if ever we bring that character back, we've laid the groundwork so it doesn't feel like we're cheating the rules of uh, of death, I guess. Uh, and then as far as the Gage sequel, um, I mean, the Gage scene, we always intended to have a post credit scene. We shot one in Barcelona when we originally shot the film, um, but it was more of a wrap-up scene. It didn't have much action or uh, plot thrust. It was more like the suggestion that they might go someplace else, but it was very static. It was just the two of them at a table and not much happened. So um, once we watched the movie and, and kind of just fell in love with these two together, we decided that it, you know, it wasn't enough to have them just fly off into the sunset, but instead we wanted audiences to be left with the feeling that these guys are now bonded and they're going to go on more adventures together. And whether we pick up exactly where we left off on the next one, or that's just a, you know, a stop on the journey that will never be fulfilled or realized. Um, that's fine by me, but I just wanted the audiences to leave with the feeling like that one adventure wasn't the end of the story that there, these two guys are going to be doing more. And if we're lucky enough to do a sequel, we'll certainly tell those stories. And if not, then the audience will be left knowing that Nate and Sully are out there somewhere. <laughs> treasure hunting. So their heart's content. Absolutely. Uh, do you know who they're looking at in that final shot or are you, you buying yourself time to figure it out? I have some ideas. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I know I've got to let you go real quick, but uh, even though I don't play the game, even I know that that's Nolan North on the beach. Oh, great. Can, yeah. you, talk, can you talk about putting that cameo into the film? 
Yeah, that was so awesome. Um, he's just the best dude. And um, it really felt like a fun passing of the torch moment, you know, between he and Tom. Um, and he he's a great improviser. We shot a ton of stuff ultimately because it is a cameo and it's, you know, it's, if you're not paying attention, like if you're not familiar with who that is, then it just feels super random that we cut it to kind of its shortest version just to be focused on the story and not gratuitous cameos. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite moments. And, and again, I was at a fan screening, uh, or like a preview screening and the kid behind me, like elbowed his buddy. He was like, that's the guy who does the voice for the game. And like, was so geeked. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Like we, 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 we got to feature Nolan cause it's so appreciated, um, by fans. Uh, Ruben, uh, on that note, I'm going to let you go. It's been an absolute pleasure. Ruben Fleischer. Thanks so much indeed. I appreciate you, Chris. Thanks so much. Okay, so that was Ruben Fleischer, and now it is time to get into it. I'm on. What? What is? What's your issue, man? What? What? I've never seen you so despondent. Strap in, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's not to bring it back to Batman. Oh, God. here we go. Let me. Here just, we go. Because Nate kills the shit out of people. Let's not mess about. Let me explain myself here. As Batman the, should. You're, you're <laughs> quite right. You're quite right. <laughs> Okay, save it for the Batman podcast. Save it for the Batman podcast. Please continue. The thing which I always harp on about that is if you change the essence of who Batman is, then he's no longer Batman. And I honestly feel that way about Unless he's the ship of Theseus Batman. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I don't think that's it. Okay. Um, And a lot of that same thinking applies to adaptations, especially sort of a thing like this, Uncharted, which, as Helen mentioned, has been been in development hell for so long. You feel that if they had that amount of time, that when we finally got here, the Uncharted would be, you know, something that we would recognize as Uncharted that would tap into the spirit of what made those games so special. But if you change the essence of Uncharted, if you fail to understand what makes the games, the games, why they are so beloved, then you have something like what you end up with here, um, which is just weak source on so many levels and it's hamstrung itself on the casting, on the story they're telling and on many other levels to the point where I never recognized Uncharted watching this film, never felt the spirit of those games. And there's so much stuff that you can do. I'm not asking for like a like to like, no. Because what's Transport. the point? What, would, what exactly. would be the point? There's so much stuff that you can do with story and with plot and with everything else. But if you fail to get the essence of those characters right, especially when it comes to Uncharted, because we're talking about a game which is uh, taking its cue from things like Indiana Jones. Mm. That's fine. Very, very famously. Yeah. Very famously. Um, and with this movie, you're making a movie which is from the game, which is inspired by movies. If you fail to really capture what makes the Uncharted you know, universe unique, then it feels derivative, it feels generic, it feels forgettable. And that is what we get here because they've neutered what made Uncharted so special, at least for me. And, and, and disappointing. specifically, what, what, what do you feel was neutered? Like, what, what were your big, biggest grievances? Well, biggest grievances, you know, the casting is huge for me. Like, Tom Holland, uh, as much as I love him, uh, as Spider-Man, he's not playing Nathan Drake in this movie. He's playing Peter Parker in an uncharted world. Um, so I, I don't think this character is Peter Parker. He's nowhere near I, as I idealistic or naive. I don't think so either, <laughs> but I think it was a massive mistake to have in the opening scene him apologizing to a henchman 
as he knocks him off the that the that cargo. does have the whiff of Spidey. That about had it, a definitely. massive. I'm whiff telling you, Peter mm. I you know was watching someone charted clips in preparation for this. Just looking, <laughs> just just watching Tom Holland. He's making so many Spider-Man like pose, poses in this film. If and he's just doing it like almost as if he's not thinking about it. And I get that. I mean, because if you if you read about how this film even came together. Um, it was because of Tom Holland's love for the games. And, you know, I I feel like, again, as talented as Tom Holland is, because Tom Holland is Spider-Man, he's making all these really successful Spider-Man movies, what we're getting is Spider-Man, right, but again, in the wrong world. And then mm. when it comes to Mark Wahlberg, I mean, there's maybe 10, <laughs> 15% of uh, Nathan Drake in Tom Holland. When it comes to Mark Wahlberg and Sully, it's not 15%. It's not 10%. It's not 5%. It's not 0.01%. It's nil, nada, zilch. He is. And it's just... Unsullied. But, it's, <sighs> but he has the tash. But he has even, the tash. But even, well, he doesn't until the end. I mean, but he has but, at the and, end. And, and, which, even, and even then, that's complete nonsense because... <sighs> I'm going to cut off for a second. Are you all right? Do you want to drink the water or can something? Can I get you a drink? You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to play even, quick Uncharted 3? Have a look. Do you want, do you want a little... Honestly, we can bring TV in here. Just the amount of times I was thinking I'd rather be playing the game. I'd rather be watching the cutscenes, the walkthrough of right. the games on YouTube than watch this film. Here's a question for you. Here's a question. Okay. Do you feel like so? So for, for a lot of like older games, like yeah. when they're translating, this doesn't apply. But for more recent games, I'm thinking I'm Chanted. I'm thinking The Last of Us, where mm -hmm. the performances are there. Like we have an actor, we have a cast, we have a person playing that role, we have a face, we have a voice, we have mannerism, we have a performance. Yeah. To see that then translated is something you grow to love. And I think you have an emotional connection to these things in a way you don't always have with TV and film because there's that element of interaction because you're controlling mm -hmm. it. You feel like this person is kind of like an extension of yourself. So you feel very connected to them. Right. Do you think that anyone could have replaced Nolan North as Nate for you? And you'd have been happy. Do you think there is any? Because I have the same worry about Last of Us that Pedro Pascal, who I love, mm -hmm. you know, will he be Troy Baker's Joel? No. Will he be a different Joel? Absolutely. But will I be able to reconcile that? I don't know. I think, you know, just on the basis of the fact that Nathan Fillion, uh, as Helen rightfully mentions, was sort of in the running for this. And if you uh, remember, I know that you're as big a fan of the, of the, of the fan film as I am. That fan film, that 15-minute fan film, captures more of the spirit of Nathan Drake and Uncharted than anything that happens in these two hours. But do you think that, in part, that's because Nathan Fillion fundamentally just sounds a lot like Nolan North, and his natural delivery is a lot like Nolan North's delivery of Nate? So I think he was chosen for that deliberately because he's just very similar to the character of Nate. In part, yes. In part, yes. But I, I still think that there could have been someone uh, who would feel more like Nathan Drake than Tom Holland ends up being here. See, it, it feels like he was cast because he was popular more than because he was right for the role. This getting the whole thing of Tom Holland doesn't do this movie, this movie doesn't get made, exactly and we're still right. in, the, in the endless cycle exactly of right. uncharted and, casting And rumors. yet I had a sense from this, you a know... spider sense? If you a like. Peter Tingle? A <laughs> Nate <Peter> Tingle? <laughs> I had a sense from this. They didn't show it to us until very, very soon before release. And, you know... Speak for yourself. All right. <laughs> <You are laughs> but generally speaking, yeah, you are. That was a dick move. Um, Achievement unlocked. Am I the bad guy? <laughs> but I'm saying, I, I, I did get a sense at times that they didn't have faith in Tom Holland as a movie star outside of Peter Parker. 
And I feel like that moment in the opening scene that bugged me kind of came from that. I think some of the things in this movie that bug us came from a lack of confidence in their leading man, which as a, 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 is not warranted. I think he's mm. a, an incredibly charismatic yeah. actor. I, I think he's talented. I love him. But I do feel like in the marketing of this, in the way it was brought together, and also in some of the ways that the story of the film is developed, it feels like they didn't entirely trust him to carry the film on his own. Obviously, they didn't because they brought in Mark Wahlberg as well, who's a big star. Um, you know, it felt like there was an element of of uneasiness there, which isn't warranted. And I think it actually hampers the film. Do you think like in a post No Way Home world, this film would have been very different? I would hope so, but I wonder if they still would have had that doubt because it's still Spider-Man. Hmm. What do you mean? How do you, how do you mean? Are, are I just mean, in the, obviously now his profile is so high because that film has been such a massive hit in and of itself. I feel like... I feel like Had, they, like, had they made it from scratch? They made Uncharted okay. after No Way Home had come out. Maybe they'd have had more faith in him being able to do something quite different him, and not yeah. lean on the Spidey crutch quite so much. I know that sounds counterintuitive after another Spider-Man film it would have been less yeah. Spidey, but you know what I mean? I, like, sense hmm. of him, because I my thing with this film, although I think the film is it's fine, it's fine, but it really made me see Tom Holland as a movie star in a way that I hadn't yeah. done previously even in No Way Home, because again, I'd always seen him as Spider-Man, but seeing him as someone other than Spider-Man and seeing him be so charismatic and commanding that presence on the screen, I was like, this guy is a movie star. Yeah. He's not just, you know... Uh, no, Spider-Man. he really is. But I just felt like the studio didn't trust Yeah, and I think that, you're right. You know? I think you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think, like I said, I don't think it's warranted. I, so. I think I'm less upset than Amon because I'm not like, I, 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 Nate's fine. I was always a big Chloe Fraser fan. Like she was my favourite character from the games. And, She's the you know, one character who's actually done pretty well. Yeah, and Saviali does a brilliant job yeah. with her. So I yeah. was 100% happy yeah. doing this. <laughs> but I, like, I, I, I enjoy the games, but I'm one of, it's, it's a weird thing for me. So these and the Batman Arkham games are games which, which I, I know objectively are brilliant and everyone loves and yet I cannot get on with and I don't understand why I mean I, I think certainly with the Uncharted like... games I find the gameplay a little bit simplistic like it's jumpy platform hang on ledge crawl oh, fuck that yeah. you know I can't bother with it like, it, the, the story mm. doesn't hit me and I went all the way through I didn't I gave up on the first one I finished the second one I gave up on the third one Uncharted the fourth one uh, <laughs> Uncharted okay. uh, and I finished Log yeah. Lost Legacy as well but I don't, yeah, I don't get your get your. I don't get why you don't love the Arkham games in particular because the gameplay <laughs> that may be a separate Batman. podcast <laughs> save, it <for> <laughs> save it for the Batman we'll get into this then yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't either but, but but if I'm understanding this right, I'm on one of your chief problems with Batman. They say he kills too much in the big screen, but one of your big problems with Nate Drake is he doesn't kill enough. I just want to, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. We're, we're on the, the Fenn diagram of Nathan Drake and Batman. Because just going on just one of the Uncharted games, by the end of that, he's probably the most prolific spree killer in the history of the world. So, uh, the, the amount, it's, yeah, it's the amount of, that doesn't translate. The amount of faceless goons Nathan Drake kills in those games. That's uh, right, they're, they're faceless. It's fine. Yeah. Kill people. Um, yeah. Don't no. kill people. The, the, Empire, the official <laughs> Empire podcast position I keep being asked to clarify this <laughs> is do not kill people. Correct. Yes. 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 All right. Unless you're Batman, good. in which case it's fine. No. Yes. Yeah. No. Or Nathan Drake. Yeah. <laughs> I, this, I have my yes. fingers crossed the entire time. Oh. It's that's totally okay to yeah. kill people. It's yeah. not okay. If they don't have a face. No. I feel like that's a dangerous press. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just not going to no to killing we're, people. Just learn, overall. Okay. All right, then. Jesus Christ, don't Funny kill anyone. Funny daddy that I am. No, I know. But Helen I, Stickler for the law. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, but that, that this is all interesting. And you guys are coming from the the, uh, the viewpoint of knowing the character and, you know, in Amon's case, clearly worshipping this character. And <laughs> Helen and I... Worship is a strong word. Well, that's what I'm yeah. taking from it. And <laughs> Helen and I don't feel that way about Nathan 
Drake. And yes, I know that they've made a deliberate decision. I know enough about the games, mm. having played 10 minutes, but also just having listened to Nick bang on about this thing for <laughs> fucking yeah, years. It seems years. like years. Yeah. For good uh, reason. Oh, yes, I don't have a PlayStation. So, you know, if someone wants to hook me up, then I can play your little game. You'll probably but, just play more FIFA, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> FIFA. The Nakatomi Plazas were added again today. Oh, my word. That's is that my, the name that's of my, your team? That's my team oh, of FIFA, oh the Nakatomi Plazas, yeah, and they were destroying people left, right, oh, and centre. Right. Anyway. Well, if you had a PlayStation, you'd be losing a lot more people. Those are fighting words, my friend. Those are fighting words. Listen, you know my you know my terms. My terms are one PlayStation, then I can meet your little challenge. Uh, anyway, anyway, haven't played the game, but know a little bit enough. I know enough about Nathan Drake to know that he that Tom Holland is not the grizzled, gnarled Indiana Jones esque bloke who's clearly in his late thirties, early forties of the of the games. Mm. He this is clearly a younger version of Nate Drake and he will as time goes on maybe grow into that maybe as, as we all do I just yeah par- ravaged by the passage of time ravaged by prequels, it prequels though you know and and look well, I, I yeah. think I think this is this is an attempt and, and like you say you know Tom Holland really wanted to make this his name helped it get made and therefore, you have to make it essentially a sort of a prequel in early Listen, days. Listen, if the director of Fright Night calls up and says, I want to make a video game, then I am infested in that. So I'm not surprised Tom Holland's name opened some doors. Right. So, right. So he wanted to make it. I get it. You have to make it a prequel as a result. I get it. But at the same time, I don't care about prequels. I find them annoying. I find them frustrating. And the prequel elements of this, I thought, were the weakest parts of it. What The prequel where we had a young Nate Drake who somehow looks even younger than Tom Holland. I mean, <laughs> realistically, because there's a period in this, this thing, isn't it 15 years later? I think it's either 12 or 15 years later uh, where we see the, the op- well, the opening scene is yeah. the yeah. immediate res mm-hmm. uh, situation from Uncharted 3, I believe. Am Four. I right? 4? No. Four. He says three. Which one are you he says three. The, the one with their kids. This is, we're talking no, no, four. No, no, no. The, the, the plane. The plane. Oh, that, that's from three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my three. mistake. Yeah. My mistake. Then that's we have. Three. Then we have the the young the flashback to young Nate mm-hmm. and young Sam, his brother from four. Uh, mm-hmm. From uh, I recognised it immediately. I said that <laughs> is from Uncharted <laughs> that four. Is from Uncharted four uh, among thieves. Yeah, Drake among thieves. Yes. That's exactly what it's from. But then the thing is, to have someone playing a young Tom Holland, you need to basically have a fetus. Don't you? I mean, that's, that's, that's the problem. He's a growing man. He's, Leave him alone. He's, tw- he's 25. He's 25. He's 25. And We're I think just incredibly old. That's the only reason you Very old, cynical, jaded. It's this. We us. could all be candidates to play Nathan Drake as he is in the, in the, in the, um, in the video game, especially Uncharted 4. Drake's Legacy. Oh, boy. What's no. it called? No. Among Thieves. That's it. <laughs> anyway, so that idea of, um, of um, so that idea of Tom Holland may tickle me. But there's also something about the, 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 the you say there's a lot of Peter Parker in this. I think, yeah, naturally, because he looks like Peter Parker, but I think that he's trying to no. play a much more adult It's a Thief's version. End. Among Thieves is a book by Douglas Hewlett. I'm getting idiot. confused. That's what See, I was, everyone yeah. listening to this is going, it's going, what's he fucking talking about? Among yeah. Thieves. That's a book. The book, yeah. next book that I'm reading, I'm just getting confused. I, I, it's a Thief's End, yes. I did make a face yeah. when you said You did make a face, but you didn't correct <laughs> me. You didn't correct me. Oh, <laughs> it is oh, a Thief's End. I'm happy to own that. You can just leave it in. It's fine. I oh, know. It's just too late. We can't cut it. Too late. Too late. It's too late. It's in. But anyway, Tom Holland is trying to play I think an older yep. more he's trying to announce himself to the world with this he's played a 17 year old or 16, 17 year old in the Marvel Cinematic Universe we should talk about portals by the way uh, for 
since 2016. Mm. And in that time, he has barely aged a day. But I think he's trying to announce himself with more adult material like Devil All the Time and Cherry, Cherry yeah. and, and and this, that he is capable of playing people roughly in his own age. So Nate's you know, has a bit more swagger about him. He's a bartender. Mm. He has a cigarette in his hands at he one point. He flirts with people. He flirts with people. He may even have intercourse in this. Steady. It, 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 uh, there was a scene with Chloe mm. that, you know, they, you know, that got cut in which we may have seen some... He showed his web shooter. Sexy, sexy fun times. Oh, no. Yeah. He was in uncharted territory, oh, if no. you know what I mean. Wow. Sex-wise. Yes. I understood. <laughs> I wish I didn't. He took her to Shambhala. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what? Oh dear! <laughs> the lost city of Shambhala. Yep. It's very hard to find, apparently. He was bashing the triangle. <laughs> no, it's a PlayStation reference. But anyway, talking about the <laughs> the, the prequel elements of this film, that is partially what I mean when I say that this film was hamstrung by the story that it was mm. telling, because this film has been billed as a prequel to the games. In the games, in Uncharted Three. There's like a... Honor f- Amongst Drakes. <laughs> <laughs> a prequel to the games from which it lifts several scenes, which <laughs> doesn't thing. make any Why? sense at all. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Because here's the thing. But it doesn't, in, but it, like, in that respect, it doesn't have to. It can lift scenes no. without lifting the story but of the games. Because it's an adaptation. It's an alternate no, no, timeline. If, if Bill, there's a prequel to He's the games. He's a variant. If it's not a direct prequel, it's just a prequel to the character we see in the game. Well, no, pre- well, well, well let me explain. Let, let, <laughs> okay, sorry. Let, sorry. Let, uh, let me, let me explain. Give them some space, people. Give them some space. <laughs> For your own safety. Yeah. <laughs> let me explain my problem with this, because in Uncharted 3, there's like a 15, 20 Drake's minute... Deception. Drake's Deception. There we go. In Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, there's a 15, 20 minute flashback sequence where we first see the Nate and Sully L- meeting. Literally where I gave up on the game. I was so bored. But anyway, right. carry okay. on. Okay, no, but... We are going to have words about that. Give him he some space, James. He might explode if we don't have <laughs> yes. him finish, James. Yes. And you're right in the line of fire, Helen. Let's be honest. There's a 15, 20 minutes. Do you want a health pack? <laughs> I really hate you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do health packs in our charting. Okay. Oh gosh, you just have to sort of get behind cover and heal, but that's a difficult thing. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, what? You that, have to just get behind some cover and I, heal? Yeah. yeah. It's like Call of Duty in that regard. You recover from fatal wounds like, over time. Like yeah. the getaway. Do you remember the getaway? Yes. The game that uh, was like Grand Theft Auto, but yeah. it was in London. Yeah, it was rubbish. Uh, and you, yeah, that's how you healed. You got you, shot. No, but that one, you <laughs> leant against a wall. You leant you? against a wall. It wasn't you, like, just went, oh, you actually had to oh. lean against a wall to yeah. heal. So good. So good. <laughs> Loved it. Amazing. Wow, I anyway. couldn't see why gaming is a multi-video. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. Love leaning against walls. Anyway, uh, please, let's give the man Take some space. Take 527. Okay. Um, in Uncharted 3, colon, Drake's Deception, there is a 15, 20-minute sequence in which we first see Nate meet Sully. And at that moment, Sully is working for his employers. He turns on his employers to protect Nate and takes him under his wing. So 20-minute sequence, the immediate, the immediate mentor-trust relationship between those two characters is sold. It needs no further explanation. It works. Why make this entire movie about Nate trusting Sully? It just, why? Okay, I, I want to partially agree <laughs> with you on that and partially disagree. The only disagreement is... They're doing it differently because they're going to do it differently because it's a movie, right? 
But the way I agree with you is the thing that pissed me off about this film more than anything else. And I didn't hate it. I, I was much more positive about it than you were. Mm. But the thing that really pissed me off is this whole idea that nobody can trust anybody at any point in the movie. Everybody double crosses everybody. And it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. And they lent into that. And it was very much a conscious choice for the screenwriters uh, and for the directors to, to make that their thing. Pirates are untrustworthy. Therefore, everybody betrays everybody else. And there's double crosses and triple crosses and all sorts of stacked crosses and they've clearly made the same decision here this these are people who are in the underworld who are working outside the law everybody double crosses everybody but it gives you so little to hold on to because you know Nate's I guess kind of emotional weight in this film is the search for his brother Sam but that mm -hmm. just gets kind of thrown aside and there's no emotional connection to replace it because he and Sully have no trust exactly right and that's the thing because one of the core things about why Uncharted is special, why it's distinct, even though it's taking its cue from Indiana Jones and many others, is because of the characters and the dynamics between the characters and how those relationships evolve over the course of however many uh, games. Why tell a story in which you're talking about characters who we haven't sort of, you know, fallen in love with, telling a story in which they are you know, building this trust, which we see in like a 15, 20 minute thing in Uncharted. I don't understand why you would do that. It doesn't help you tap into the spirit of what made those games special, which is, I would hope, one of the things when you're doing an adaptation of anything that you would look to do. That's like fundamental. And that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why it never felt like Uncharted to me. There's like one bit at the, at the end when they finally established that Nathan and and suddenly finally trust each other, which gives me a small sliver of hope that whatever sequels that we get will you know, tap into that. And now that we have, you know, now, now that we've gotten this silliness out of the way, we can actually <laughs> have something that more resembles Uncharted. But can, can you just remember that point when we talk about the Batman? Okay, that's all. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Shots oh. fired, shots fired. Oh. Shields up, red alert. What's happening? What's happening? I, I, we'll get back to it in a I hope you're going to use my words against me, but whatever. Yeah, I'm going to um, use your words against you. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So what do you think about the um, the post-credits thing, though? Do you think the post-credits thing has taken it in that uncharted direction that you kind of vaguely would like, would re would recognize as a, as, a, as a player of the games? It depends on who else is in that scene because as that post credit scene ends um it feels like nate and sully uh about to be sort of joined by somebody else and if that somebody else is elena then i feel like that film would be on the right track because elena is basically the nathan's one true love she is in minute one of the first game and she is in all the she's my favorite character in the, in the entire franchise really? the fact, yes she's fantastic is she though? Yes. Oh, don't, She's don't, no Chloe. I mean, I, I like Chloe. She's a fun character. But in terms of just the dynamics of the characters and how they relate to you, I, I really love Elena. I mean, much as I enjoyed watching them play Crash Bandicoot together. Um... <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> no, I, 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 love, I love Elena. And the fact that, you know, they would make a film when she's so fundamental to the franchise and not even have her in it is just a whole other level of frustration. Um, but if... Elena is uh, in whatever sequel that we're going to get. And we're probably going to get it because you know the film has been very successful at the box office. Then I feel like they would be on the right track um, because you know those three in particular, when they're paired together, if they if the dialogue is there, and that's another thing we need to talk about in this film because it's not great. Um, then I feel like 
they'd be on the light track. So. He's so angry. <laughs> I, I did Today. warn you. I did warn you ahead of time that this this is going to be the most. This upset. is just therapy for you, isn't it? It's uh, like it's a big catharsis. Should we leave the room? We should. <laughs> we should. You just talk. Talk to the microphone. Yeah. Tell it all your feelings. Today. Tell it all uh, out. And another thing. No. Amon has um, chosen war, man. There's no question about it. Um, all right. Okay. But you know, Sully's got his mustache. The so you know, and we will we we will rank all the Sullys at the end of this. The believe you and me, that is happening. Can we that talk about the happen. best worst line in the movie? Go on. Do you know what that is? Tell me. Sully doesn't have any friends. I should know. I'm one of them. What? I, I get what they were going for. Yeah, I, I get right. what he's going for. I mean, it makes no literal sense, but mm -hmm. I get the implication that he's maybe the closest thing that Sully has to a friend. <laughs> therefore, he has yeah. no friends. Yeah. I, you know, I did like I did like some stuff. I did think the action scenes were pretty well done. After seeing the 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 airplane thing out of context and not being terribly impressed. On the big screen, it mm. did work better works, for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I enjoyed that they went to Barcelona, and because you don't see it all the time in all the action films. I enjoyed that they went and to the the Gothic Quarter, where we once walked around, guys. Mm. How about um, the scene set in Papa John's? I mean, did you like yeah. that? Oh. Yeah. It's not an uncharted game unless it ends up in Papa John's. <laughs> It was kind of intuitive and kind of kind of weird, and and actually kind of leans into the way that a lot of these. I'm about to be serious for a minute. I apologize, but like a lot of these cities have incorporated like fast food into these medieval buildings, and it is weird and it's funny, and it, I thought that was kind of effective, actually, in a bizarre way. I did like it was always going to happen. It happens in all of these films, up to and including Indiana Jones. But when they broke the giant Roman amphora, I I, I did have a moment of. <gasps> Of course you did. <laughs> I, I, it's just like, could we not? Could we not? And on, later on, obviously at the end, where they just destroy the Portuguese galleons, Spanish galleons, Spanish galleons. I, I just was like, can we not destroy world heritage? <laughs> they, they, Would you mind? They weren't. They weren't real, Helen. You need to. I knew they weren't okay? real. I, but like, just, in, uh, we're saying a bad example. Is what I'm saying okay. for the world. Do not destroy the fake, <laughs> the fake <laughs> galleons, folks. But it's a way when you see somebody in a film, like you know, driving a beautiful car, or they have a painting on a wall, and you're like, it's going to get destroyed. Yeah, Mr. Bean is going to paint over Whistler's mother. But of course it is, because the morality of the film, the film actually makes it makes a very very conscious choice, which is that you know uh, Jake Sully and uh, and <laughs> and Nathan Drake are not going to profit from their profiteering. I, I, I like that they don't. People over things. Thing. I, I will say one thing, and that's that just just while we're on this particular Italian interlude, uh, I enjoyed that because I. Sorry, I'm on. So I really enjoyed the Chloe Nate interplay, and I. That should have been the film to me. Like, Sully, frankly, could fuck off because I didn't enjoy any of the Sully-Nate stuff at all. Yeah, but, but I you enjoyed think, You don't think the... Sully is a good character, period, I don't which actually, is no. completely nuts. So we don't need him at all. He can, he can <laughs> run to the sea. But we just that. need Nate and Chloe, like this sort of like little fighty, flirty banter. That was really fun. And then she fucks off and then we'd stop with Sully again. It's like, oh, really? Must we do this? Uh, you know, but I maybe that's because that. they hadn't done Sully well at all. Sully! Exactly. Because, I mean, even a Mark Wahlberg trying to actually sort of do something other than Mark Wahlberg as Sully would have still been Wasn't wrong. There? But he's not trying in this film. It's just Mark Wahlberg being Mark Wahlberg as Sully, a yeah. great video game character. It's, it's astonishing the they went to Papa John's and not Wahlbergers, quite frankly. <laughs> 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 Maybe there is one of us. Yeah, there may yeah. not be one of us. Yeah. So what you're saying is you're not going to be part of the Mark Wahlberg ranking episode. That's not that's not one that's on your list, is it? No. I, I mean, Kate Yeager number one. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, what the I'm hell? Joking. Hello, the departed's on the line. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. Jesus, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> Holy shit! Wow. Um. Anyway. Uh, I enjoyed Mark Wahlberg in this film. <laughs> I don't have the baggage that I'm on is clearly bringing to this. Um, I don't it's, know it's what a, you mean. It's, it's very so impressive. It's a huge set of matching luggage like they had in the Darjeeling Limited, if you remember that. I wish now I had seen this movie with them on because the noises that you would have been emitting would have been something else. You know, probably all your baggage would have been in front of you. Maybe that's why you didn't like the film because you couldn't see over your baggage. <laughs> Just don't sit on the seat in front of you next time is what I'm saying. Uh, I enjoyed the the bands, for want of a better word, between uh, Jake Sully and uh, Nathan Drake. <laughs> thought it was good stuff. You know, and yes, it's very much an autopilot when it comes to, to Mr. Wahlberg, but I enjoyed it. You know, there you go. Shoot me. Other things I enjoyed about this film are in order. <laughs> in order. I like the fact that it's filled with master thieves. So masterful are they that they can pickpocket someone without actually coming near them. Yeah, <laughs> that's impressive. Sully does it. Nate does it. Chloe does it. Like she takes the yeah. the cross thingy from Nate, yeah. Nate's backpack in. Is it Barcelona? Barcelona. 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 Yeah. Not Italy, as I said yeah. earlier. No, no I, 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 I don't know where you were getting them. Yeah. Oh my God, you've been to Barcelona. I know. It's all the same to it's me. All, the all right, same. Farage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let me draw a quick map of Europe and give you a potted yeah. history lesson. Uh, please, please don't. Please spare me. Uh, I had it live. I don't need it again. You're probably... On the left, you will see the Sagrada Familia and you will know from history that, oh my God, kill me. Hey, it's barely um, historical. It was started in the 19th century. He was confused because Papa John's is such an Italian institution. He was, he was confused I, I liked it, but it's just so gaudy. That was good. <laughs> he was confused because uh, Aragon, of course, used to rule part of Italy. That's that's probably where he I was. remember walking around and then we ate somewhere where they had laminated menus with pictures of the food and you just pointed to what you wanted because that is fine dining. But, the, the, but none of this is my issue. My issue that I wish to bring up is the fact that they go through this elaborate three traps of such lethal cunning. Yes. Except mm. you don't need to do any of it because you get the, the crosses, you stick them in a lock, you open the lock and then they just fucking take you outside so you're not even inside anymore she didn't need the crosses she didn't need to open the fucking lock because it was somewhere else entirely what a load of shit but it leads you to the thing you wouldn't yeah, know you what could, the thing what, was if like, you didn't have the thing why would you hide the thing in a thing unconnected to the thing okay, and say so this takes you there just take them directly to the thing let's try and figure this out again so what was in the giant amphorae that they find a map I think was the map it? was in the, the sand I can't even remember I think it was I know they map. ended up in a nightclub at one point it's like, yeah really? but then they got to the giant amphorae yeah and then what, what, the vase has exploded. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. a map was inside. So the map was in the sand in the vases, in the Roman vases that had somehow, they'd put the yeah, map inside. Yeah, I mean, inside. there was a padlock there as well, which, you know, back then, I'm not sure there would have been, but okay. No, they, they had padlocks in the, in the 1500s and stuff. That's okay. okay. That's all right. But so then, so then the map shows the Far East. Was, what was it? The Philippines? I mean, as we've established, Helen, geography is not my forte, so... <laughs> okay, so the map then leads them to the Philippines, and then they have to do things to the map to find the right part of the Philippines to have the actual ships. I think that's about right, yeah. And where did the cross come from? We didn't really know that. It would just turned up an auction. Although it seems to do an awful lot of things. It's part compass, part key, mm -hmm. part this, part that. I don't know. That's a proper MacGuffin. Yeah. That's, that's fair. It's I mean, a, in, yeah. in fairness, you know, think of the great 1999 film, The Mummy, where the, the little box mm. thing, stop it, where the little box mummy, thing it's fine. does many, many different things. It also works yeah. as a key. In it's no grail diary. I'm just saying that. Well, interesting enough, guys, as you will well know, 
that in Uncharted, the duo travel to Barcelona where the treasure is supposedly hidden and rendezvous with Sully's contact, Chloe Fraser, who mm-hmm. has the other cross. Sure. Chloe, and I am not in any way reading verbatim from the Wikipedia page, of not. initially steals the first cross from Nate, but the men convince her to work with them, full stop. Uh, meanwhile... Moncada, we haven't even mentioned him. Oh yeah, learns from his father that the family fortune will be blah 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 blah. blah. Anyway, <laughs> Nate, Chloe, and Jake Sully follow clues in Elcano's diary to Santa Maria del Pi or P Pi P. 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 I think they should spell it properly. Oh, Finding a secret crypt behind the altar, Nate and Chloe enter. Well, no, that was cut out. Uh, finding a trap door, but as they come on now, as they open it, the crypt quickly floods with water. Jake Sully, located above ground, is then ambushed by Braddock. We haven't even mentioned Braddock. Come on, uh, but manages to knock her out and use the other cross. This isn't the Papa John's, isn't it? They have to fight in the Papa John's uh, and use the other cross to stop the water from rising, freeing Nate and Chloe from the chamber, using the two crosses to unlock a secret passage. Uh, that comes later. Nate and Chloe discover a Roman antechamber with only four very large jars filled with sand. It's a bit like Die Hard with a Vengeance. As Chloe climbs to the top of one of the jars, all the jars break, releasing her contents, a colossal amount of salt. Again, no that bit was cut out. Oh, God. Finding a map that indicates the treasure is in the Philippines buried in the middle. Chloe then betrays Nate and takes a map, hinting that Jake Sully is keeping a secret about Sam. Chloe brings a map to Moncada, having also been hired by him to Braddock's displeasure. So that is what happens in the middle section of the movie. As remembered, accurately, mm. 100% veracity by me. Wow. Thank you very much <laughs> so indeed. So impressive. Wow. Really was. So, okay. So that's what happens. So there's maybe less puzzle solving than I might have expected on my very deep knowledge of the games. So much puzzle. All the solving. <laughs> much solving. Mm. All right. So, okay. Let's that's, that's have a, a, a round of positivity. I'm going to find mm, something you okay. like about this movie, Amon. I, I swear, if it, even if it kills one of us, I'm going to find something you like about this movie. Helen, what do you like about this movie? I have not previously seen uh, uh, you know, a, an action finale like the action finale here. And I enjoyed the novelty of that. Now, I have seen Flying Galleons, but that was in Paul W.S. Anderson's Three Musketeers, and I've been trying to block that out of my mind since. Great so, film. As- and The Escape from Gringotts. <gasps> Those are coins. Oh, James. and you know um, Galleons terrible. flying everywhere. No, no, and, um, I refuse. No. Monty Python and the mean- Monty Python's The Meaning of Life has um, pirates who actually fly a pirate ship in the sky. There are pirate ships in the sky in Monty Python. Okay, fair enough. Mm. And and Stardust, obviously. But obviously Stardust. Okay, but apart seen, from those four... I have not <laughs> seen... <laughs> ...dueling galleons suspended from helicopters flying through the Philippines. I have. In what? Uncharted. Okay, before Uncharted, I oh right, I see what you mean. That. Yes, yes, okay, you know that that so felt much. new, and also I have to say, you know, it, it, in relation to your concerns and justifiable concerns mm. about not, you know, desecrating historical sites or indeed oh. historical artifacts. A, well, as we've established, these things do not exist, but also they are they they go to great lengths to try. Jake Sully and Nate try not to damage the galleons. The galleons are just naturally coins, destroyed James. in yes. the. In the course of yeah, their... but they still get destroyed, you know. And you just oh, anyway. I, I did wince a little bit when they were like flying them through the the sort of canyon Rock. type. Can we also point yeah. out like how how old were the how old were the ships, Helen? 
Well, they were um, they were meant to be Magellans, weren't they? So, not be like, funny. They would have fucking disintegrated the second that they tried to lift them out the well, roof. Not necessarily oh, well, because they've been in salt water the whole time. They hadn't they been, been in the water. They were they were on dry Well, you know, I don't imagine it's probably very humid. Either way, I'm saying when you try to airlift them out in a little sling thing, I did worry about that. Like they wouldn't take people's weight because if you've trodden any wood, wood, you know, you know, take up bad wood, put in good wood. They should have had. They should I, have had uh, Del from, from arachnophobia. Okay. I, I enjoyed that particular sequence. I thought One-Eyed Willie's ship was a lot of fun and I liked <laughs> yeah, what they it did with it. It was a bit. Uh, I liked it better in the Goonies, but that's fine. Um, Everything's no, better in the Goonies. Also true. The only thing about it I felt, and I think we talked about this a little, a little bit on the regular podcast when we reviewed it, is that it turned into a bit of a CGI fuckathon at that mm. point. And like, it was a wonderfully staged, and I can imagine the storyboards were fantastic, but I can't help feeling that at, at some point my emotional disconnect was such what I I just thought I'm looking at CGI. I'm a bit bored. Well, I must say the positivity round is going yeah, really it's going well. well isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was a great sequence. It was really well conceived. I'm, I can't even I can't even put my finger on what was because I'm not saying the CGI was bad. Like no, the CGI it wasn't looked at all. good, but I don't know. There was something about it where I didn't connect with it mm. on an emotional level because I just thought, oh right, wide shot of CGI ships, mm. close up of those two on a gimbal with a green screen behind yeah. them, and it yeah. was just like, and I don't know quite what they could have done differently. But I think there was something. I just it, don't know what it is. There was the escalation that I, I think I did enjoy that bit as much as everything else. And one of the reasons I had a blast of this movie is because, I, I, as I've said before, and in fact, I said it to Tom Holland when he was on our 500th episode, uh, is that I'm a sucker for things like this, whether it's an Indiana Jones, you know, any of the three Indiana Jones mm, movies all three of them. or the two National Treasure movies or Goonies or anything like this where you have to find the map. To the, the map of the thingy that will lead you to the, the doohickey of what's it, and then you got to stick the doohickey of what's it into the of the and then you turn that, but you have to turn it at the same time, like Superman 3, and then that unlocks Treasure. another thing, yeah. and then you have to find the other thing. I'm a sucker for things like that. And then everything was, was fairly, for want of a better phrase, real world and semi realistic. Well, actually, I take that back. About no, that was a CGI Papa John's. None of that was real. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes. I do take it back. I think all the Dan Brown, Robert Langdon movies and books are bullshit. Oh, that's and, terrible. you know, I'm not one for burning works of art, but burn away, burn away. Uh, no, the, the official Empire podcast position on killing people and burning works of art is do not do it. Right? Helen was looking at Appreciate me in her, her lawyer face. She was going full lawyer face, but, you know, don't read them or watch them. Anyway, so um, I'm a sucker for things like this and I was having a great time with it and, and the stakes were, I felt surprisingly low and then it does a thing that all movies of this size feel that they have to do, yes, even the MCU ones where they mm. feel that they have to have a massive... Flying thing over a thing. Not just a flying thing over a thing, but just a massive, uh, and I know this bit was cut out, but climax. They, they need to have they need to have something that will you know, put bums in seats and put popcorn in bags. And I don't think you need that all the time. I think you can keep things small scale and low key and, and still have a satisfying payoff. No, well, they needed that in this film because on the oh character God, level... Oh, God, here he goes. Here he goes. But <laughs> positivity round. Positivity round. In the spirit of the round. In the spirit of the round. I, I enjoyed the end when it was over. <laughs> I could leave. Yeah, definitely. Did you play um, Uncharted when you went back home to cleanse yourself? I did a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Gosh, it was so much better. I listened to the score by Greg Edmondson and that was much better than... How's it go? Uh, the Uncharted Game School. Park life. It's fantastic. It literally could be anything. <laughs> oh, Prodigy. 
No. Is that the that book was... of Boba Fett? <laughs> I still don't know how that goes. I genuinely still, I, honestly, if you pinned me down, put a bantha on my chest, I couldn't tell you how that music goes. My Uncharted scene was no perfect. I can't remember. And, <laughs> see? I can't see? Fucking I am very disappointed, by the way, that the final sort of uh, Boba Fett remix of um, that song of that theme which is in the final episode of Boba Fett is not on the official track list for the score I was looking for it it's not um, look it's this just, is wrong podcast man. Yeah, but I'm, I, it came up and I'm, and I'm saying <laughs> right. it um, but yeah like uh, even the the Greg Edmund, the Greg Edmondson Uncharted game theme is so much better than what Raman Jawadi does here and I'm a big Raman Jawadi fan he's Pacific Rim Iron Man, I know that mm-hmm. you don't like it, but I love it. Game of Thrones, Westworld, the guy gives us great stuff. Here, it's so generic. It's so bland. It's like he's playing down to the film that he is, you know, been assigned to. So even that didn't work. But in the spirit, Positivity round. In the spirit of the positivity round, I do want to talk a bit more about <laughs> Sophia Ali's performance as Chloe. I think it's fantastic. I think she understood the assignment. I think she, it felt like essence of the character who I've liked in the games was present in her performance and I appreciated that and I wish that Mark Wahlberg had uh, done the same. Of course no one can hold a candle to the incomparable Claudia Black aka Aronson from Farscape. If there's a way to turn it into a Farscape story he's always going to find it. Yes. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Sevilla Ali got the accent right? Because initially I thought oh she's She's British. And then I thought, oh, no, she's South African. And then I thought, no, she's from New Zealand. And then I thought, no, she's from Australia. And then I thought, she's from all four. (laughs) But she's actually American. Her accent is uncharted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, She travels. It's fine. Her accent wasn't the best, but I can forgive that when, you know, again, the essence and the core of the character is there in other aspects of your performance. If I can feel that coming through the screen, then... We're, we're good. She and was born in San Diego, California, USA. Ah, Wales vagina. Is that where they're going in the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> What's in the great big vagina? What's in the great big vagina? No, thank you. No. There's an echo because there's no, there's no uh, Wales I vagina. I love the way that we've gone from Anchorman to Predator <laughs> seamlessly there. <laughs> Oh god, it's, it felt a bit Grimsby. So let's move on. Oh, now you're talking. No, Should we do I'm a Grimsby spoiler special? No. no. Let's do a Grimsby spoiler special. Let's I get... will. I am busy that day. No. Okay. <laughs> Once again, I've not specified the day. Uh, all right. Oh, so that was a good. I'm busy. That was a good positivity round. Well done, Amon. How do you feel? Uh, still the same. Still <laughs> empty inside, desolate, hurt. All right. Okay. 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 They fuck you with the pepper chance. Uh, I'm going to ask you something now. Do you, what about the twists and the turns and the and the, all the little, you well, know, yeah, let's, let's, the rug pulls? Let's talk about the villain twist because I think it's interesting for about a split second because you we the film goes to great lengths to outline Antonio Banderas' kind of think Moncada is what he's called? Moncada. Moncada. And to his family history and his investment in the MacGuffin. And then they kill him... Uh, and again, for a split second, I was like, okay, this is interesting. I didn't see that coming. And by the way, I know that it's aiming for the PG-13 rating, but 
the fact that there was so little blood when the guy had his neck slit open. I mean, if you're going to kill him and you're going to show that little blood, that do it like you know, do it in the way that you can sort of. I was like, I think you'll find the carotid artery would be under pressure and would therefore spray blood everywhere. It's the most bloodless neck slit of all time. I mean, it just it was very noticeable to me. It was a strange choice, and again, Ruben Fleischer talked about that a little bit in the interview. It was a strange choice of, of method of dispatch. You're absolutely right. You could have just stabbed from behind or, you know, bashed his brains in with a wine bottle or, got or something to like kill that. him. Got Batman to kill him. Don't. Got Kevin Conroy to Don't. snap his Don't. neck like a twig. <laughs> Taking the Lord's name in vain. Oh, my goodness. That the record reflect that I'm shaking my head vigorously at Chris Hewitt and James Dyer. Right we now. may not make it out of here alive. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. Anyway. Much like Batman's enemies. Oh, oh come oh, on now. Come on. Save it for the Batman podcast. So that thing happened that I was talking about. What was I talking about? The, oh, the, twist. the, the, the twist. The twist. Yeah. The killing of the, the yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. So there's, it's, it's bloodless, but it's still to be by surprise. I thought, oh, this yeah. is interesting. Yeah, that now. was interesting. I thought Braddock's relationship with, with Sully was was also... It, there, there was intrigue there. Well, I don't think the movie I, fully I, followed through. I very through much enjoyed that scene that uh, Chloe has her Homer Simpson disappearing into the bushes moment. <laughs> where she's, and she's just like, I think I'm going to find it elsewhere to be. And she sort of sashays <laughs> out the room. <laughs> when no one thinks to stop her. I mean, she's not wrong. That's solid, solid planning on her part. I think the, um, I I like the twist to a point. I think we could have had a bit more background on her to give the twist a bit more. This is the thing, um, because like they've spent so much time outlining the family history of Antonio Banderas' character. And when the twist happens, like, okay, she's just a menacing. What does she want? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But, you know, but maybe if they had given us too much on her, it would have been less surprising. Maybe that's the thinking. I don't know. I think, I think, I, I actually think I think it was I think it was effective and I think it was effective because they they show you as they show her as being frustrated by his mm-hmm. his method of management shall yeah. we shall we say his you know but you don't think that she's going to go because the, the movie's been trying to play her as a as a rogue in the yeah, same way yeah. that Sully is a rogue and they have those sparks flying there's an implication that maybe there was something happening between them romantically in the past and so you don't think that she's going to step up and become the the chief baddie of the film of the the film sorry and and i guess you know i feel like i wouldn't mind so much if we'd had less background on her if she then laid out a very coherent position and maybe you know Mm -hmm. maybe that would have been the way to do Mm -hmm. it um and also you know not to get on my general hobby horse again most of the bad guys in the world are billionaire men so like let them be the bad guys in the movies too as show some evidence of that helen <laughs> in recent in recent times right there's, now there's absolutely none none but yeah i mean but even with the whole uh the villains of this i think uh nathan drinks runs about three minutes of that off screen time with antonio banderas before he's dispatched and even the big showdown which they're leading to with tati gabriel I forget, uh, with, with, with Tati Gabriel's Braddock, it's not really sort of, you know, a one-on-one thing um, because she gets dispatched very quickly and there's, there's no sort of effective impact in terms of I'm going to personally resolve this on Nathan's part. Mm. So there's that too. you got a lovely Nolan North cameo, don't you? Even that, like, you know, mm. in, in, it, when, when I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh, that's cool, that's Nolan North. And then if, mm. if this was in a better film, I would have appreciated that a lot more than I did. 
But it's just like, you know, I, I wish I was playing Uncharted with <sighs> Nolan North voicing that character right now than watching this. I thought that was painful. That was absolutely painful. Because it didn't fit organically into the film. Like, yeah. if you're going to have a cameo, have it fit organically. Have him be a snooty usher or something. <laughs> but don't have him be a guy, oh, I will start, strike up a random conversation briefly with this strange man on the beach. It's mm-hmm. just like, no, just, just stop. Mm-hmm. So what would you have had him do? Like a pilot or something? I don't know. I'd have had him... I don't know. Like, t- I'd, I'd have had him come over and untuck half of fucking Tom Holland's top. Be like, no, there you go. <laughs> or maybe shoot some fools. And then yes, just go, yeah. there yeah, go. Yeah. let me show you how to do it correctly. That's it. Do you, yeah. do you not like the, I mean, it's a very meta reference, you know, where Tom Holland goes, I, you know, fell out of a plane or something like that. And then Nolan North goes, oh, yes, that happened to me a while ago. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's fun. I like, no, I, I, no, I mean, it's not. A it's part's fun. A part of me it's liked it because. It Apparently, like because it's Nolan North, and also because they play the Greg Edmondson Uncharted theme in that moment. It's the only time in the film, and you are the only one who noticed that. <laughs> that is not true. Honestly, we, we, we're going to be. We, yeah, I yeah. instantly noticed it. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, such yeah. An expert Me in the too. Game, so Love it. it was, oh, it's, it's the only time that that should have been used in the film because they use it again in the worst time. And honestly, this just goes to show you that these guys don't understand what makes Uncharted great because they use it again when Nathan Drake puts on his gun holster for the first time. That is when you hear that theme again. That is not what makes Nathan Drake Nathan Drake. I mean, That is not what makes him special and by playing the theme in that moment, that is what they are alluding to and that's not right. I mean, isn't he, he kills isn't he the shit killer? out of hundreds of people in every game. Yeah, but I'd say it's a pretty killing, defining characteristic. Killing, but no, if you, okay, okay, I'm on, all right, I'm games, on. That's not what makes him Nathan Drake. If, if you, if, if like, let's say, let's say like you were first getting to know me and if, if you knew two things about me, one of them was I like jumping around on ledges collecting antiquities and the other thing was I brutally murdered five to six hundred people in a single day. Which one of those you. things would you describe as my defining <laughs> characteristic? Just, just putting that out there. Right, the latter, but that is not... I would not call that a defining Nathan Drake characteristic. It's one of the things that makes the like gameplay... he kills people, but it's just because he has it's to. One of, it's one of the things that makes the gameplay fun in the game, but in terms of what makes Nathan Drake special, what makes this Uncharted world special, it's the characters, it's the relationships, it's the personality, and they don't get that right in this okay. film. Can I just say something? Yeah. We we remain living in a world <laughs> where no movie directly based on an ex- existing video game has ever been more than a three-star movie. This is a two. Accurate. Yeah. Ever. No, this is not a two. It's a two. It's, it's not a two. Nick the was 100% right. Two stars it's and a, Prime Magazine. Both of you, you are too close. You're too close you're too to close. it. That's it. My point is, Can't see the maybe for the half it's dog. just not possible to do well. I'm telling you it is. I think it is. It, it is. is. They just need to do it How right. How many times, guys? <laughs> yeah. You said this Look, about World of Warcraft. It's Charlie Brown and the football, isn't it? <laughs> How yeah. many times? I would argue that perhaps if you had and listen I enjoyed this film I think it is Ruben Fleischer's best movie since Zombieland since then he has made the likes of Gangster Squad and Venom and I enjoyed Gangster Squad a whole lot more than this really? yes I really didn't uh, <laughs> you know and Zombieland Double Tap which was a disappointing sequel you, you know so you could argue maybe the bar is low but certainly he's also involved with Superstore love Superstore mm, uh, Superstore's but, great but 
But yes, I thought it was his best movie since since Zombieland. Having said that, do I put Ruben Fleischer in the top tier of directors? Probably not. But the same way I don't put Paul W.S. Anderson, despite Event Horizon, in the same top tier of, of directors. Yeah, because of it, The Three Musketeers. Because of The Three Musketeers. I mean, so an amazing. Shit. No, an amazing film. James Corden's best performance. Um, <laughs> especially the bit where he gets shot on. Uh, <laughs> there's... One of the reasons why the comic book movie has been so elevated over the last 20 odd years is because we've had top tier directors working on them. You know, not all the time, obviously, but we have had, you know, your likes, your Chris Nolans, your Sam Raimi's, the Russo's and Taika Waititi and and, uh, Ryan Coogler. These are all amazing directors. But then Assassin's Creed, but then World of Warcraft. These are good directors. These are visionary directors, we're told. And yet... I enjoyed World of Warcraft. But again, I wasn't wedded to the game. I'm I'm convinced that The Last of Us will be if not the greatest TV show ever made, then certainly up there. But I mainly think you might need to start revising your Well, opinions. it's possible. Hey, look, I'm, I'm, being, I'm Charlie Brown all over the place. You're, you're all in on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm so in on that because been, I think yeah. it is one of the most remarkable pieces of storytelling I've ever encountered in any medium, which is why I love it so much. So they better not fuck it up or I will hunt them down. <laughs> I will find you and I will kill you. I, I, really, uh, can't, I really can't wait for the, the last episode better yeah. than the West Wing take. <laughs> I just, I can't wait. I cannot oh, wait for you that. better not. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. It won't happen. <laughs> narrator it did not happen um yes look i'm i'm here for it. i i who knows why these things do i think sometimes they don't work because the storytelling in the games just frankly isn't whisper it strong enough uh, and sometimes i think it's because they're too slavish to the stories in the games which frankly could do with a little bit of a glow up and sometimes it's things like this where they take the kernel of an idea from a game and then they just get it wrong you know I, th- I think I think the bigger problem with this is that it's cherry picking elements from Uncharted 4 3 and 2 without just looking at Uncharted 1 and seeing what made that spawn all these sequels See, to have- you say that you say that but I, I will go on record right here and right now and say if they took the exact same script of Uncharted 1 and, and they took the exact same performances and somehow made them live action it would be a terrible yeah, film because no, the story of Uncharted 1 is not that good I'm not saying that they should you know and like I said I'm not saying they should do like a like for like you know Uncharted 1 put that on screen but cherry picking elements from Uncharted 4, 3 and 2 especially if you're billing this as a prequel to the games it just doesn't make any sense I would like to see an accurate an accurate uh, adaptation but, of this thing where where Tom Holland just spends most of the film crouched behind a bin shooting over the top of it and then just ducking back down again but I agree with you in this sense I think the best way to adapt video games is in TV shows They've had a lot of success with that. You think about The Witcher, you think about Arcane. Well, that's, that's an adaptation that's, of a book series. It's not based yeah. on the TV show, on, okay. on the game series. Okay. So that's that that slips through on a, on a yeah, technicality. It, t- it takes okay. elements from, yeah. I believe, the games and not just the books. But Well, it's, yeah, so the first season, I think you'll find, is, of course, an adaptation of The Last Witch. Yes, the no, Last I know Witch, that. The, uh, oh. the Compendium. Uh, and then Blood of Elves, of course, season two. So the actual narrative of the games comes later on, but this is a whole other podcast. But it is yeah. interesting, isn't it, that probably the best video game movies are not ones, as Helen said, that are directly inspired yeah. by video games games like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is not a video game adaptation but it's probably the best video game movie Crank yeah uh, yeah exactly they are yeah yeah. they they take the grammar they take the the, the feeling uh, or some of the feeling of some games and they play with them but in Mm. a way that doesn't require these kind of arguments about you know either lifting too many elements or not enough elements either being too faithful or not faithful enough you know, they give themselves yeah. that freedom and See, those can work I, brilliantly. I do think Uncharted, were they to have done it right, I'm telling you, this can make for a great movie. It's just like they they, they were hamstrung but from from the get-go on this isn't, one. Isn't part of the problem 
and I think this is one of the things that they said they struggled with for years, the fact that when they tried to take Uncharted and be fairly faithful to it, what they ended up with was Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and then they were a bit like, we need to find our own identity that isn't Indiana Jones, which to the, this film's credit, I think they have. I think it doesn't feel very Indiana Jones. It feels more National Treasury it than it does yeah. Yeah, Indiana which is, Jones. Yeah, um, not yeah. necessarily. A, a, yeah. It, it actually feels, it actually feels yeah. very, very, very Tomb Raider, like Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider oh, yeah? to me. Yeah. But like the, the action scenes and the puzzle stuff and all that sort of stuff. Yes, there's elements of the Indiana Jones National Treasury stuff that, that there's always going to be in films like this. You can always have that and you will always have that being Uncharted games or Uncharted movies. But the thing that makes it distinct, I keep coming back to it, is the characters. If you get the essence of that right, that is distinct enough on its own for Uncharted to become its own thing. They just haven't got that right in this, this instance. But is that the case with video game adaptations? Is it, is it just as simple as you're never going to be able to, even if you do bring a top tier, I think they can, they can do it. I think there will be a great great movie video game adaptation one day but is it as simple as you can never replicate or replace the feeling of interactivity mm. that, that, and that is a problem and then truth by porting over okay. entire sequences and I think the most recent Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City suffered a lot from this and that they were porting over entire sequences yeah. and, and things you recognise from the games but you were devoid of the enjoyment you got because you were controlling the characters yeah, at the time separated from it. so I maintain that Silent Hill is probably the best adaptation of a video game and they, they do it really well like they latch onto the aesthetic which is unique and which works really really well and they latch onto the sense of sort of discomfiture and slightly incoherent not incoherent plotting but there's something slightly dreamlike about Silent Hill it's slightly surreal a little bit like the Souls-like games where it doesn't quite fit into our understanding of reality and that's deliberate and that works as well but again the problem with that is you're taking the most terrifying game arguably ever made and a film that isn't frightening and I think part of that is you need to be able to see what's going on in a film it's a fundamental grammar of cinema but also like because you, again you're not controlling that character because you're not directly responsible for whether Roder Mitchell lives or dies that takes some of that fear from you I agree with that to a point because yes the gameplay isn't obviously a very significant aspect of any game that you play but by your, I mean, not that I fully agree with you in terms of the gameplay of Uncharted being terrible, because I don't think that's it's not 100% terrible. It's true. simply simplistic and pure. Okay. <laughs> you, you always have to take it that one step too far, don't you? Like, the gameplay on Uncharted is not necessarily what I come to an Uncharted game for. All the elements I'm talking about are like stuff which we see in the cutscenes, which Naughty Dog, just as they do in The Last of Us, have they, they are at the top of the food chain and then nobody else is even close when it comes to that. You can see, tell that with The Last of Us and you can tell that with Uncharted. Go and watch the Uncharted, go and watch any Uncharted cutscene playthrough on YouTube right now. I guarantee you will have, oh. find much more enjoyment with it. Mm. I know with you, Hannah, like you can't watch a YouTube oh, video because I'm going to two minutes long. No, I can't. But I'm telling you, <laughs> You, really? You, yes. It's, it's, don't get me started. It's insane. Um, but, <laughs> he keeps saying me, like, you know, breakdowns of things on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, God, it's so long. It's, you won't watch a video which is longer than two minutes long. This is a one hour podcast <laughs> on Uncharted. Yeah, I know. But like, I, like, just I don't absorb information from video. That is not my optimal means of information absorption. Like when we went to a, a sequel to something recently and I'm on set before the film started and watched a four minute press scene oh, yeah, of the first scene. film yeah. and I was a bit like why not just read it on Wikipedia be done in 30 seconds like I don't I don't get 
anyway, so it's a fundamental difference of approach that we have. It's yeah. fine. I'm okay. I just don't watch a lot of YouTube. You millennials. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> but, yeah, but, no. but Aman, I, I, I disagree. I think if you were to watch those cutscenes, you'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? For the no, simple... No, 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 Because, and <laughs> let me tell you why. Because... That's the worst. Because I am the worst. But let me tell you why I'm the worst. Can we go... Come on, quickly, press, press L2 and X. Take them out. Take them out. Up, up down, down, Finish left, left, right. Finish <laughs> yeah. um, No, it's because you the emotional connection comes from your connection to the character. So like, so yeah. when when Aerith dies in Final Fantasy VII, spoiler. Oh my God. Uh, when Aerith dies in <laughs> Final Fantasy Halfway through that, probably. <laughs> it's because you have spent the game up until then being Cloud. If you'd just been watching fucking Cloud tit about, you wouldn't give a shit. It's because you've been him, you've lived it, you've had conversation with it. And I think it's that that avatar, back to Jake Suley again, but that <laughs> avatar, the game is your avatar, Nate is your avatar in these games. And I think it's really hard to replicate that emotional connection unless the narrative, Last of Us, is exceptionally strong in and of itself. You don't think the Uncharted narrative is exceptionally strong? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> shots fired! Shots fired! When, From a flying galleon, when shots Amon, fired! When Amon signs off on this podcast, I don't think he's going to have it within him to say peace for once. <laughs> this is going to be wild. All right, okay, we, we have to rank the Sulis, but a couple more questions before we, we, we go. What do we think of the action in this movie? We're talking about cutscenes. Do we think the action's good? The bar, the bar fight? I enjoyed the, the fight. parkour-y bar fighting. Yeah, it was yeah the, the fight. The bar, yeah. They're, they're going parkour. Peter Parkour through Peter parkour. Uh, through through <laughs> yes. Barcelona. Yeah, that was nice. Or Italy, or wherever they were. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a map. <laughs> it, was, it was fine, but like, it, again, Who even the Who action wasn't didn't feel like Nathan Drake to me. Well, because he wasn't hiding behind the bar and just no, sort of pointing no. a gun over it every couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like Nathan Drake is an everyman and. Like in the games, he like stumbles when he runs all the time. That is that's he's that sort of dude. He's not a dude who can do perfect you no know, knee punches on command as as Tom Holland does in this film. That's not. It feels like a very even the I, way I think the word knee punch isn't used nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. That, that, there's a bit. There's a bit in the final sort of you no know, boat fight where he like. Basically, it's a very Spider-Man like move, basically, and he's doing that all the way through the film. I mean, so it didn't feel it was it was fine when you divorce it from the games. It was fine in and of itself, but again, it wasn't. Would wasn't this Nathan Drake? Would this film have been better for you, Mon, if uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, Tom Holland was fighting the baddies? And then a portal opened behind him, <laughs> and Nolan North and Nathan Fillion stepped out as other Nathan Drakes, there's, and they teamed up to take down the baddies. There's no film which does not get immediately better mm. when a portal is introduced. <laughs> on, on your L1. <laughs> Very good. I understood the reference. <laughs> I feel like I mean I feel like I feel like poor Tom Holland can't help being graceful. Yeah. And, and I'm not I'm not entirely unserious about that. Like he's a trained dancer. He's ha, had enormous amounts of gymnastics training as well for his Billy Elliot? Yeah, he can't he can't help moving gracefully. I also think it doesn't make a lot of sense for anyone in Nathan Drake's position in a film like this to not be good at things because yeah. if he was stumbling all the time you'd be like I'm sorry he should be dead by now so mm -hmm. I feel like there's a little bit of leeway there because he can't really be an everyman and he isn't really an everyman any more than Indiana Jones is they're too good at fighting people yeah I agree so there's you know that's one of those things I think I feel like if the characters had been better for you you would have overlooked that a bit yeah. more yeah that's exactly right 
All right. Okay. And then, so what about the emotion of the movie? Because ultimately we're talking about the Nate, Sam storyline and Sam is kept off screen until the very end. So that's that's canonical in the games, right? That he's still alive. That's not a surprise for anyone who yeah, plays the games. But like even that's, that's another thing like that that's, that's, that's on Uncharted 4. Like, oh no, oh, moved ahead Not so among far. thieves, but in fact, a, a thief's thief end. end. <laughs> Very good. Um, Nerd. But for you, this was more a thief's bell end. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? No, that bit was cut out. <laughs> is one of them called Drake's Fortune? Have I, have I just made That's that the first up? one. Yeah, yeah. Uncharted, Uncharted Drake's, Drake's Fortune. Fortune is the first okay. one. Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. No, no, hang on, hang on. No, no. Among Thieves, I think we've established, oh, isn't, isn't one of the... Isn't that a separate no, thing? No, there is Among it? Thieves. Is Among Thieves the second one? Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. Uncharted I, 2 I, Among Thieves. Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception. Uncharted 4 Thieves End. Ah, I see Among Thieves. So that's where I was going, because Among Thieves is also a completely unrelated fancy book. But... Um, Okay. Yeah, I'm glad we've established this. All Among right. Thieves. But do we, yeah, you know, do we like that story with Sam and the postcards and the but, whole thing and the watch it? Uh, just, but there wasn't enough of it. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted more of that. Like if that he has been banging on about his brother all the time. He, yeah, but you know, to someone who was withholding information from him, like mm. I feel like a lot of both um, Amon's uh, points and my points could have been addressed if Sully had come to Nate at the beginning and said, "I worked with your brother. I've lost him, but I think he's still alive. Let's work together." and eventually find him. But first I've got to do this thing. Like that would have enabled there to be a little bit of maybe trust. If he wasn't keeping secrets, there could have been a, you know, that would have been a basis for a building block. It would have kept Sam more in the foreground of the story between the two of them as a sort of link between the two of them because that's what he's, that's what he is. Um, And even if he personally wasn't on screen and you still had the same amount of him at the end turning up in in the cell, at least that would have been, you wouldn't have been, trying to remember who the fuck is that and why do I care? Oh, right, yeah, that's his brother. Oh, okay, I get it. So, you know, it it would have felt more cohesive, I think. I have questions. Sure. Why do they give him postcards in prison? Yeah, that was a wonder for me What are the postcards of? (laughs) (laughs) How does he know where to send them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does he get the invisible ink? I guess that's potatoes, isn't it? It's, it's lemon juice. Or lemon juice and usually, potatoes. Yeah, because yeah, that's the, you know, can I have some lemon juice and potatoes, please? Yeah, sure, prisoner, here you go. Uh, <laughs> all makes perfect sense to me. And how long was he in prison for that he was sending those postcards? Anyway, mm. if you just burn like, down this the, rabbit hole. With the, yeah, with like, does he have like a, a you know, a sort of a, a, what do they call them? Just a nib pen that you can dip in the lemon a juice? A fountain pen? No, no, no. Because a fountain pen like has a, an actual. Oh, you mean like reservoir. one of the one of the like dip dippy, dippy donkey pens? It's, dippy donkey it's, pen. It's literally called a dip pen. So there were I've just remembered a dip pen. Yeah, they they. You know, does he have one of those? Like, how's he doing it? You're right. There we'll are so many questions in Uncharted Two. Perhaps a seagull <laughs> comes to his cell bar window. He grabs it, kills it with his teeth, pulls out a pinion, dips it in his own blood, okay. and writes with that. But then the blood would be visible. It can't be blood. It has to be lemon juice. <laughs> Shit. Seagull in a prison. <laughs> Can you hear my prayer? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Helen is completely right. We definitely need more of the Nate-Sam relationship for that to be as impactful. And then as far as Nate and Sully go, even the journey, like, I, I, as I said, I don't like that this is the story that they are centering on in terms of, you know, building trust over the course of the film. But even that is not done very, very well. Like, when he finally becomes, you know, trustworthy and they find that it's like, it's not nearly as impactful as it should, it should have been because the banter as and the dialogue between them, as I say, I think has been very, very weak. Um, and it's not really as effective, as impactful as it should be. And, you know, again, now that we have gotten this over with and now that there is that trust, I hope that they build on that in the sequel 
um, and have their interactions be a lot better than they were here. Um, that is like right. the one sort of you know, silver lining that I see here because I did not enjoy watching this. Really? Game. <laughs> <laughs> You've been so quiet about it. Well, it's a good <clears> thing. <throat> Look, don't tell them about the silver lining now. They'll just steal it. So. Like, I'm, I'm conflicted <laughs> about this movie making so much money because it feels like I hope that Sony, the Tony Sony go take it's like, okay, we, we, this is right. We've done well here. We, they want more of this. And mm. I'm hoping that. Uh, it's they, made. $227 million worldwide so far, which, you know, obviously in the pandemic, everything's been blown out of proportion, I guess, by by Spider-Man No Way Home doing what it's done. Mm. But that's pretty decent. It may end up around, I'd say, 300, 350, maybe even 400 at a push if it can, you know, get a strong headwind. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's that's sequel territory. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, so it made no, 100 million I mean, in the States. So. Tailwind? Tailwind. <laughs> a headwind behind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a matter of time before we get that in our That's right. Sony have made <laughs> Good to see you paying attention. <laughs> Sony have made it very clear that you know, they are very much in on Tom Holland. Um, so, yeah, I expect that answer to come soon. I just I, I just hope it's so much better than this because I can't, Indeed. I can't take another one of these. I <laughs> really can't. <laughs> well, we get that impression. Yes. <laughs> I, I, just to see your personal meltdown, I, yeah. I, you, you've now turned me around this movie and I, I you know, I'm going to send every failure. You, okay, I'm sure Helen won't watch it because they're longer than two minutes. I'm going to send you all cutscenes. I, please from, don't. From the I, I, please, I just please feel don't. like the way you looked watching this must have been the way I looked when I watched The Rise of Skywalker. Just that sort of like sense of barely contained rage. Another film where you have to get the map of the water to get the thing. <laughs> right, and hold it up and look at the thing through the yeah. dagger of yeah, Ajanti that, or that whatever was it was. a whole load of bollocks. Yeah. 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 But, you know, <laughs> we've, we've, we've litigated that film many, many times in the podcast, so let's not do that. Uh, all right, I said we would rank all the cinematic solis, <laughs> so let's do that. We have five... If I'm right in thinking, okay. What have we got? Five we got Tom cinematic Hanks. Sullys. We have we have Tom Hanks landing yeah. the plane in the Hudson. Yeah. We have Ooh. Sully from Monsters Inc. Yeah, he's number one. We Jake have, Sully. We have Jake Sully. We yeah. have Sully from Uncharted, and of yeah. course we have David Patrick Kelly and yes. Sully in Commando. Okay, yeah. the best. All right, Sully. <laughs> well, so, they're, they're, James, James is giving his away. James right. P. Sullivan is number one. That's Except correct. He's not. That's, no, he absolutely. That's is. incorrect. But okay, no. yes, he would have been killed first, Helen. He has big teeth and claws. Uh, have you seen John Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker will scalp you. Yeah. yeah, but it's not John Matrix we're worried about. It's the it's the other one. It's the other Sully. Oh. But in this scenario, the Sully. Any Sully could face off against John Matrix at any point. Again, he has teeth and claws. He used to scare kids for a living. Yeah, but now he makes them laugh. No, he doesn't make them laugh. He just remains behind at the door and oversees everybody. Mike Wazowski Mike makes Wazowski them laugh. Mike Wazowski makes them so laugh. So Mike Wazowski, Wazowski is the best Sully. You no, he's not a Sully. You paperwork. <laughs> Somebody needs to Thanks watch Monster Dink again, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's my number one and it's not close. Correct. Okay. He's also my number one. Oh, get out of town. Oh, come on. <laughs> we all know that cartoons don't count. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Sully landed a plane on the Hudson. He, he couldn't have done that if he'd been a big furry monster. He wouldn't have fit in the cockpit. Yeah. And that is why he's on number two. Uh, Again, All incorrect. those people would have died. Were you been happy with that? Then I guess that would have worked for Sully because he would have got their screams and then... <laughs> no, that's not how that works. <laughs> Ew, you monster. Where's the love for Jake Sully? <laughs> he'd be about number three. Yeah, three. I see you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> like, let the record show that Chris is pawing at us. I'm, try, I'm, <laughs> trying, to, I'm trying to stroke your faces in the yes. in the way of the Navi. Yep. Yeah, I'm on. Mother Awa would kick your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love Jake Sully. 
I do love yeah. Jake Sully. I think number he's great. three. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Number, number three. three. So. But so remember, Sully, when I said I would rank you last. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I think I think he's gonna go. He'll put Victor Sully Sullivan at the bottom of his personal oh, yes, Sully I ranking. I mean, I, I, as played by Mark Wahlberg. If we're talking about you know the video game Victor Sully, then we're looking Who, at played so. by whom in the in the video game? <gasps> you betrayed me, fraud. We are truly in uncharted territory now. Wow. <laughs> Oh. After all your little speeches, and you're nothing but a common thief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is an exceptional so thief, Mr. Dyer, and since he's moving up to forgetting who Sully is, you should be more polite. <laughs> That's unbelievable. All oh, this talk about trust and Sully, and you have yeah. betrayed Sully. <laughs> you have been unsullied, and I'm shocked and appalled. Oh, boy. So, yeah, okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, Sully from Commando, at number one, yes. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean? He he has the, the wherewithal. Best. He figures out that Matrix is off the plane, and he goes to uh, make a phone call about it. Wow, a you phone know? call, and he yeah. has a yellow Porsche. Yeah. Oh um, wow! I've interviewed David Patrick Kelly. Oh, in fact, he emailed me asking for a new issue uh, about three months ago, and I forgot to reply to him. You should Oops. probably do that. I should. Re- I should remember Sully when I said I would mail this last. <laughs> <laughs> I did lie. Oh, God. Anyway, um, so David Patrick Kelly, number one. Yeah. No. Number two is Jake obviously. Sully. No, not Jake, Jake Sully. Not Jake Sully. Jake Sully. No, 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 no. You lie and sign yourself to lies. Number two is, is... got to be Victor Sully Sullivan. What banter he shares with Tom Holland in yeah. this. No, oh. that's just Victor Sullivan as played by Richard McGonagall uh, in the Uncharted Games. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't Richard McGonagall? <laughs> Isn't he, wasn't he like a teacher at Hogwarts? Yeah. <laughs> Professor, Professor McGonagall, yeah. Obviously yeah. a distant relation. Yeah. That was Minerva, of All course. Right. Yeah. So, Sully number one. Sully, Monsters Inc. number two. No. Yeah. Monsters Inc. blows. You blow. Whoa. Not a fan. Not a fan. Don't like it. Not a fan of Monsters Inc. Not a fan of the mummy. What is wrong with you? Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't. I mean, he doesn't like the mummy. That just, it just absolutely negates all other opinions that he has. Len. (laughs) Len, then it's Jake Sully. Number three. Uh Yeah, I think he's about three. Number four, it's Victor Sully Sullivan. And number five, it's Sully from Sully because that landing was a bit wonky. What? It was I mean, a bit it wonky. It was an emergency. Yeah. I mean, you know. most pilots would land on a runway. He landed on yeah. a river. I mean... Okay, I, I don't think it was quite that simple, James. I mean, what a maverick. So, no, Maverick lands on an aircraft carrier. Oh, that's right. Okay, oh, there boy. we go. Anyway, on that <laughs> on that note, I think that is it. It's time to bring our misery to... And Amon's misery <laughs> <laughs> to an end. Uh, we'll be back in a few years to talk about Uncharted 2. <laughs> Drake's something. Yeah. yeah. If you hear a blood-curdling scream anytime between then and now, you'll know what it is. It's Amon Uncharted reacting to two. news of Amon's Uncharted 2. Amon's misfortune. <laughs> <laughs> Would not watch. So anyway, uh, thank you as ever for listening and subscribing to these spoiler specials, despite everything you've just heard. <laughs> And uh, uh, our next spotter special, oh, what's it going to be? We're, we're, we're still planning to do the Hot Fuzz Retro one. We just haven't been able to get in the same room virtually or otherwise to do it. We've got a Back to the Future one coming up. Oh, yeah. What else do we have? We have... The Batman. The Batman. We're doing a Batman one, Just Us, and then we're hoping to do an interview for that down the line. We've got all sorts of stuff. Um, 
that I've completely forgotten. But good stuff. Encanto, reminiscence, turning red. It's all happening, spoiler special wise. The Moon Knight, it's all kicking off. It is all kicking off. So once again, thank you so much for your support. But until we meet again on the spoiler special channel, it's goodbye from me and my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. I am wondering what he's going to say instead of peace. But it is goodbye (laughs) from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. It's goodbye from James Dyer. Goodbye. I fear there may be an Amon knee punch in my immediate future. (laughs) (laughs) It's goodbye from Amon Warman. I'm going to play the games again. (laughs) Oh, bless him. He's a broken man. I'm not sure whether it's the film or this podcast is broken (laughs) more. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. A combo of peace. Mm. Peace. Peace be unto you, my friend. Peace! Peace! like in this. Anyway, that's goodbye for me. I'm about to take a leaf out of the book of another Sully and harvest Amon screams. <laughs> it should power all my energy needs, which is useful because the bills are going up, folks. The bills are going up. It should power all my energy needs for the next few months. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.